Welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast, where we chat about great books with awesome authors and you, our listeners, ask the questions. I'm Tavi Kowalchuk, and we're still working from home. I've been baking up a storm during the stay-at-home order. Two of my favorite baking books are The Perfect Finish by Bill Yossi's. He used to be Obama's dessert chef and the Back in the Day Bakery Cookbook by Cheryl and Griffith Day. They have a bakery in Savannah. Every recipe in this cookbook is amazing, and I went to their bakery. It is insane. It is like, it smells so good in there, and everything is so delicious. That sounds so good. I'm Eliza Rosenberry. I've also continued to just bake constantly. It's like my one stress reliever during this experience, and it's also extremely delicious. And so the books that I've been using the most are... Um, Nothing Fancy by Alison Roman, which has a great recipe for lemon turmeric tea cake, which I've passed along and encouraged many other people in my life to bake. It's super easy. Um, And this other cookbook, which is called Flour by Joanne Chang. And she has a few bakeries also called Flour, a few locations in Boston that I used to visit a lot when I lived there. And um, her scone recipes in particular are just perfect. I've heard of those bakeries. I've always wanted to go. Maybe once we're let out of our houses. (laughs) On today's show, New York Times bestselling author Susan Wiggs weaves an intricate patchwork of accidental families, rediscovered love, and the strength of friendship in her novel, The Oysterville Sewing Circle. Later in the show, Susan joins us from her home on Bainbridge Island to answer some questions. So cool. But first, we wanted to share a new review of the podcast. Woohoo! Woo! This is a direct quote. This is one of my favorite book podcasts. I love this podcast for many reasons. The interviews with the authors offer me an insight of what their writing process was like, which makes me appreciate the book a little more. Both hosts are knowledgeable. Tavia, that's us. And their questions are always on point. I love their selection of books. I've read them or they've been bumped to the top of my TBR list. Thank you for giving me something fun and interesting to listen to on my way to work. I'm so touched. Oh my God. That is amazing. Thank you so much. And I love your handle that you left for your review. It's readit.loveit.swapit. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. That is so sweet. Thank you. And now we present to you the Oysterville Sewing Circle Abridged. Caroline Shelby was about to make it big in the fashion world. That is, until her mentor and boss steals her designs. She's already struggling when her friend Angelique Baptiste, a top model from Haiti, whose visa has expired, shows up at her door unexpectedly with two young children, running away from her abusive partner. Things get worse when Angelique dies of a drug overdose. Now the legal guardian of Angelique's two children, Flick and Addie, and lamenting the loss of her career, Caroline moves them all back to her family home in Oysterville, Washington. There, Caroline finds her family and childhood friends both familiar and changed. She runs into her first love, Will Jensen, a decorated Navy SEAL who has also recently returned to Oysterville after being wounded overseas, and Will's wife, her childhood best friend, Sierra. As Caroline adapts to motherhood and works to rebuild her career, she learns that her friend Lindy Bloom and other women in Oysterville are experiencing domestic abuse. In honor of Angelique, Caroline creates the Oysterville Sewing Circle, a group for women who have experienced abuse. The Oysterville Sewing Circle is about the strength and healing power of family and community. Eliza, what did you think of the Oysterville Sewing Circle? I really liked this book. I felt like it 
wrestled with some really tough questions about abuse and um, domestic violence while still sort of retaining this like Susan Wiggs, like total readability and just sort of like immersing you in this community that, I mean, I was like totally sold on Oysterville. It seems like a really lovely place. For me, what stood out the most was the depiction of Caroline as a character who is dealing with a really bad situation professionally. You know, her career has been totally, um, you know, set aflame. <laughs> like she has no career to speak of. And she's sort of like left her hometown to try to make it in New York. And now she's sort of coming back like a total failure in her eyes. And, you know, she never wanted to have kids. And now she has these two children that she's responsible for. And she just lost her best friend. I mean, she's in a really tough place. But I really enjoyed reading about her journey because she handles it so admirably. She's not complaining about it. She's not just sort of like, she's not trying to avoid it. She's just taking it day by day. And there was something about that that just sort of spoke to me. I was very drawn to her character. It's true. She really is like a get it done, find the solution, solve the problem kind of person. And I think, you know, all of her experience that of her career that failed actually helped her solve this problem of, you know, how am I going to take care of these kids and how am I going to support them? And it's amazing how she brings everything she learned when she was younger to bear on this current issue in her life. Speaking of when she was younger, some of my favorite scenes from this book were the flashback scenes. So these are scenes from when Caroline first meets Will when they're like young teenagers. And, um, there's one scene, I think it's the second or third, it's the third summer that Will comes back to Oysterville. And um, they're just about to see each other for the first time. You know, it's his first day back. And Caroline has a new friend, Sierra, who before Caroline can say, oh, this is my friend, Will, Sierra says, I found my the guy who's going to be my boyfriend for the summer. And it's Will. And that scene was just so heartbreaking my I just could feel like the clutching of my heart it was oh it really was an emotional scene especially because Caroline was like you know teenage Caroline was like anticipating Will coming back and she like totally had a crush on him but she wasn't really ready to like articulate it because she felt sort of she was sort of like a less mature teen maybe like Sierra was like really looking for a boyfriend and Caroline was sort of like I don't really know if I'm there yet but she sort of like you could feel the wind just like out of her sails in that scene really felt for her oh god oh my heart just went out to her i was like oh caroline i really love a homecoming narrative like someone's been away from home for a long time and then they have to come back home for some reason or another and (laughs) like some things have changed and some things have stayed the same and they have to reconnect with people and develop new relationships and i really enjoyed that here in this book Well, me too. And this is sort of like a Susan Wiggs specialty. I think she really returns to this theme of coming home over and over again. She did it in a novel she wrote a few years ago called Family Tree, which also like the character returns home to a maple syrup farm in Vermont. And the other thing is there literally is a homecoming game in the novel. Like, like the we're making the point here. Like, yes, this is about coming (laughs) home. That's (laughs) right. This was my first Susan Wiggs book. So I definitely will have to I mean, sign me up at this point. Like a maple syrup farm sounds like 
heaven right now. Idyllic, right? Idyllic. (laughs) Another element in the book that um, sort of is woven throughout is the way that Caroline, her her passion for designing and creating clothes. I actually, you know, I have like no personal interest in this, although we've been we do have a sewing machine and my boyfriend has been sewing face masks during this time. So we have had the sewing machine out and about, but it's not really my area of expertise. But I really enjoyed it. And I thought that um, the portrayal of Caroline's passion for this from a young age and then her sort of like expertise as an adult was really great. And the the way that she sort of talks about creating clothes for someone else as a way of showing love for them was really powerful. Yeah, I agree. I I almost found myself envious of her sort of singular direction from such a young age. You know, I sort of spent years flailing about, what do I want to be when I grow up? And Caroline always knew. And, you know, the idea of of having a superpower is something that came up in Caroline's childhood with her friends who were encouraging her. And then... um, she used that concept to to use her her sewing skills to make a t-shirt that helped her two kids on their first day at school so they would feel confident and know that they had a superpower it i just thought it was like such a full circle that that caroline really comes that she, she comes in a real full circle in that in that moment me too oh my gosh i can't wait to talk to the author about this book this is going to be a really great conversation Here's cheers, another virtual toast. I can't wait to toast you in person again, Eliza. (laughs) Quick reminder, we love hearing from you, especially now that we're working from home and we're all sort of isolated. So you can join our Facebook group, The Book Club Girls, where you stay connected with other book lovers and pose your own questions to authors who appear on our show. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash The Book Club Girls. And stay tuned after the show, as always, for a short exclusive sample from the Oysterville Sewing Circle audiobook. Today, we're joined by Susan Wiggs, whose book, The Oysterville Sewing Circle, is out now. Welcome, Susan, to the Book Club Girl podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I love that I get to be here. It's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Um, So we're just going to start right off with Caroline, my favorite character, I love how Caroline is so passionate about sewing and creating clothing for other people in the book. And you describe throughout that this is a way of showing her love and caring for other people. Do you sew or what was your inspiration for this character's passion? Oh, I'm so happy that you asked me that. I I always give my character a job that I would love to have myself. And um, I always glamorize it probably way more than it is. But um, this one (laughs) was really um, very personal to me because believe it or not, I'm married to a designer and he can sew anything. Um, I just ended up sort of shadowing him and watching his creative process. And it's so different from a writer's creative process. He's very three-dimensional and very visual and and um, very inspired by the things that I had Caroline being inspired by. One of the little um, family secrets that's in the book is that the clothes that are in the book are actually things that Jerry has designed and made. And so the little um, t-shirt that Caroline makes for the children to wear to school with the the secret superhero cape that actually exists on his website. Oh my god! 
We love that t-shirt. We were That's literally one of the questions earlier when we were discussing the book in our book club of two. That's one of the things we talked about was we love this idea of this cape that unfurls off their shoulders and ask me about my superpower. So Susan, I have to ask you, what's your superpower? (laughs) (laughs) What I want my superpower to be is to know the outcome of every decision I make before I make it. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, you know what? My superpower is uh, probably um, a mental illness. It's, a, it's a, a kind of level of focus and detachment that happens when I'm deeply drafting a book. And I write everything in longhand. And I think part of that is just to distance myself from everything except the story in my head. And so some people, you know, my family thinks it's annoying, but um, it's the way I've been able to write and publish almost 60 books. I don't even count them anymore. It makes me feel Oh my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. That really is amazing. I love readers' um, reactions to um, my books because, and, and that's a question I would love for readers to tell me and and book clubs. What's your superpower? I love that question. <laughs> we'll solicit it from our from our listeners. There you go. Send them in. Um, Susan, the setting for this book, Oysterville, I absolutely loved. It's so evocative. It's you know, as we said in our introduction, it's a coastal community in the Pacific Northwest with a lot of summer tourism. Why did you choose to set this book in this place? And is it based on a real place? Yes, it is. Oysterville is one of the oldest communities in Washington state. And it's probably the most one of the most remote communities, because if you can picture where Washington state is, it's on the very, very extreme west coast at the very top of a little finger like peninsula. And it became famous because it's beside the I think it's one of the cleanest bays in the world. And so they grow amazing oysters. So I love how you describe Oysterville as being magical because to me it seemed that way in the book, especially in the the flashback scenes of Caroline's childhood and the way that that Flick and Addie have the opportunity to sort of discover the magic of this place. It has a very it felt very magical in the book, which I loved. Oh, it's a wonderful place for kids and families. Really hard to get to, but um, well worth it. Speaking of Flick and Addie, one of the things that you touch on in this book is the immigration status of Angelique and her children. Mm -hmm. This is fascinating to me having just read it because you you wrote this book before our current crisis at the border. Yes. And so I'm just wondering when you were writing, what inspired that twist in the plot that they were undocumented? I always love to write about super dramatic situations where there's no easy answers. And I certainly found one like that with with Addie and Flick, the two children in the book. And I love a puzzle. And so I was curious about what would happen if we find a person who's born outside the US to a non-US citizen brought here illegally as an infant, and then suddenly find themselves without a parent who do these people belong to? And I asked a lot of experts and every single expert I asked had a different opinion. And so I went with the one that was the most compassionate seeming and the most also practical and the one that I thought suited the drama of the story as well. Speaking of Angelique, 
and her family. This book deals with the heavy issue of domestic abuse. Angelique was a victim of domestic abuse, and Caroline forms a support group for survivors who live in the Oysterville area. What resonance has this topic found with your readers, especially in light of the Me Too movement? This one has inspired some pretty remarkable responses from readers, and I'm kind of blown away by it. I started writing this book before the Me Too movement was even a flicker across our, our radar, and it all sort of gathered steam as I was writing it, and the book sort of got angrier and angrier as I was writing it. And and there is some plenty of female anger in the book, and I hope a lot of compassion as well. But because the Oysterville Sewing Circle, I guess it's not a spoiler to say that the Oysterville Sewing Circle is a support group for domestic violence survivors and workplace harassment survivors. I, I peopled it with the women that I talked to as I was writing the book. You know, they don't bear any resemblance to real people because I said that I would absolutely protect their identities, but I applied their emotions and their stories to the characters who that we meet at the Oysterville Sewing Circle. I've been pretty flooded with a lot of really important and emotional mail. I think when you read a book that resonates with you, and I know this happens for me, you feel a bond with the story and also with the author. And nowadays, when people can reach out and find the author on social media or something like that, they tell you some really personal and important stories. And it's been really gratifying, but also very emotional. You're listening to the Book Club Girl podcast, where our guest this week is Susan Wiggs, whose book, The Oysterville Sewing Circle, is out now. You can read more about Susan's book at bookclubgirl.com slash podcast. Coming up on the Book Club Girl podcast, Susan answers more questions, and later in the show, we ask about her literary white whale. Stick around. This episode of the Book Club Girl podcast is brought to you by Two Truths and a Lie by Meg Mitchell-Moore. Two Truths and a Lie is a warm, witty, and suspenseful novel filled with small-town secrets, summer romance, big-time lies, and spiked seltzer. It's available now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the show. This episode, we're speaking with Susan Wiggs, author of The Oysterville Sewing Circle. We have another question. Susan, reading your novel made me so curious if there's any real history that you know of, of sewing circles or other women's spaces being sort of used as support networks for people who need help. Oh, I, you know, I don't know specifically of, but actually one of the funniest reviews that I, ha- I, I have seen of the book um, was kind of a snarky negative review, but I loved it because it was a woman who um, was born and raised in Oysterville. And she, she has, you know, she had a column in the paper and she was the history keeper of the town. And there was an Oysterville sewing circle. I didn't even know it, you know, 100 years ago. And so she had a lot to say about the book and, and things like that. But what I think about are things like quilt circles or anything where you get together in a group of women and talk. It seems like that is the perfect setting when you're doing something with your hands or creative 
um, pursuits or something like that and talking to your friends. Yeah. And I loved um, when Caroline first started the group and started advertising it. One of, I forget who said it, one of her sisters maybe said something like, you know, what, what man or what abuser would want to come to a sewing circle? You know, like there's just sort of this fundamental. Right idea that it's that it's a space for women yeah you know whether it's like a domestic space or, or something like that which i loved so i totally agree with you that that i can see that happening yeah some of the characters will by the way will sounds like a total hunk even with his injury <laughs> he sounds amazing but some of the characters will caroline caroline's dad her brothers they surf every summer have you ever surfed I have. I, I learned how to surf. I'm very spoiled. I went to surf camp in Costa Rica. And oh my it God. was I got a lot of help and I did learn how to surf. And it's super fun. It's a lot of work, but it's super fun. And so especially when there's a book about serious things and some grim happenings, I wanted to show the fun side of life as well. And so definitely included surfing. And the people in my books, especially the guys, I, I get to have them be whoever I want them to be. So they're usually exceedingly good looking and very skilled <laughs> in a number of ways. <laughs> if I'm going to spend a it. year of my life writing about them, they got to be people I want to hang out with. <laughs> So on a on a more serious note, multiple characters in your book are dealing with grief or loss in some way. The death of Will's mother when he's a kid, um, obviously Flick and Addie losing their mom in this very traumatic way, and Caroline grieving the loss of her friend, Angelique, and and even in the flashbacks when Caroline's dog dies. And and grief is such a universal experience, how did you capture it so uniquely for each character? For me, it's one of the most overwhelming transitions in life, and also one of the few that's utterly inescapable. If you're if you love something, you're going to come up against grief. And so I wanted to use that as a as a theme, but not in a grim way, I wanted to show how letting go and keeping memories close can both exist in the same person. And for me, it was probably self-therapy because I'm at a point in my life where my parents are elderly. I lost my dad not too long ago. My mom is old. My dog is old, you know. And so one of the things that helps characters grow through a book and it helps us grow through life is learning how to keep close what we can and let go of what we must. I love that answer. And I don't have anything to add, honestly, that, you know, grief is such a personal thing. And thank you for sharing a little bit of your story about it. You're welcome. Susan. You're welcome. I, I do it all day, every day. It's a little <laughs> vulnerable when you write something that's very emotional and personal. But that's the way that you connect with the reader. And that's the, the engine that kind of makes the whole book run for me. So speaking of all day, every day, what are you working on right now? I'm working on getting a brand new novel launched. The Lost and Found Bookshop is coming in July of 2020. And so what's the Lost and Found Bookshop about? The Lost and Found Bookshop is about um, a woman who inherits her mother's 
vintage bookshop in old San Francisco. And it's and she also inherits the care of her elderly grandfather, who is um, not doing so well. And neither is the bookshop. And so she finds herself with this falling down bookstore and this broken old man and having to, compl- again, you know, completely change her life in order to accommodate um, something that she didn't expect to happen to her. And it opens up a whole new world for her and a whole new life. So, Susan, we have one more question for you, and we ask every author on the show, um, what is your literary white whale, which is a book that you've either always meant to read or one that you started reading and just have never finished? <laughs> oh what my is that gosh, for you? Literary white whale. Oh, man, you know, I don't want to be pretentious and say, you know, gravity's rainbow or something like that. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> you can but say I'll that. But I probably never read it. You know, I I read the first bit and there was a bomb and it was, you know, just kind of lost to me. Let me think, what is it that I'm just Here's the thing, if I'm dying to read it, I just read it. You know, I I would re- I would read all the time if I could. Um probably and this is going to sound pretentious, but I, I really want to do it. I really want to read Ducote de Chez Swan by, you know, Marcel Proust. And so it's, I've, I've read, you know, the first page in, in the original French maybe 30 times. And it's beautiful and it's challenging and I want to. So maybe I'll take it up in my old age. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one. <laughs> there are just so many. Well, Susan, thank you so much for making time to do this. And Oh, thank you, guys. It was like I, I had a life for a half hour. Yay. <laughs> that was Susan Wiggs, whose book, The Oysterville Sewing Circle, is out now. To find out more about Susan's book and how to buy it, head to bookclubgirl.com slash podcast, where you can also find links to everything mentioned in this episode. Like what you heard? Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, give us a rating and leave a review. Another way to help spread the word about the Book Club Girl podcast is to tell a friend. It really helps others to find us. You'll hear from us again in two weeks, where we'll be speaking with Leah Frankie about America for Beginners. But you can always stay in touch with us between episodes. We're both on Instagram. Find us at Tavia Reads and at Eliza is Reading, and of course, at Book Club Girl. You can join in on our conversations too. Later this month, we will be speaking with Beverly Jenkins about her novel On the Corner of Hope and Maine. If you have questions for Beverly, post them in the comments on our Book Club Girls Facebook group or call us at 212-207-7336. You can also send us an email, thegirls at bookclubgirl.com. We would love to hear from you. And if your question gets asked on the show, we send you a free book. Before we go, a big thank you to Jordan Gosperay, who produced today's episode, and to Bianca Flores for connecting us with Susan, and to Susan herself for gamely setting up a remote recording studio in her home for this episode. Until next time, I'm Tavia. And I'm Eliza. Happy reading. We're scared, Addie said. She was so damn cute. She wore jeans and a bright yellow shirt and little sneakers with curly laces. He read the words on the front of the shirt. Hey, that says, 
Ask me about my superpower. He looked at Flick. Your shirt says the same thing. So I'm asking, what about your superpower? The kids looked at each other, then up at Caroline. He asked, she said. The shadow of worry in her eyes eased slightly. Watch this. Addie unsnapped a side pocket of her shirt. She whipped out a thin red swath of fabric, a scarf, and attached it to the back of her collar with snaps. Whoa, said Will. Check it out. You have a cape. It's a superhero cape. Here's mine. Her brother took his out and snapped it on. We can fly. He took off running across the lawn in front of the admin building, the thin fabric flying out behind him. His sister followed, making a powerful whooshing sound as they zoomed around. I'm going to take a wild guess and say you made the shirts. Finished them up at midnight, she said. My mom did the lettering on the front. Good work, they're really cool, genius in fact. How did you come up with the idea? It's remarkable how inspired I can get in the middle of the kids' meltdowns, and how inventive I can be with old t-shirts and used windbreakers. Seriously, those are made out of old clothes? And a bit of ingenuity. Every kid is gonna want one. What the hell, I want one. That drew a smile from her. <laughs> right.